รหโทสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสนะโมทัสสะบัคควาโทอาระหโทสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสนะโมทัสสะบัคควาโทอาระหโทสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะอภารุทาเดสังมัทัสทาวราเยสุรวันทาบมุญจันทุสัตถัง
Is it like leaving the world behind in, in, in a way of like made harsh judgment against it? But it's going forth into into awareness, into that state of pure being in the present, uh, in which we tend to ignore it. We, we because we our lives are usually caught up into the um, thoughts about the future and memories of the past unless the present moment is some important thing going on, we tend to not really pay attention to it. Uh, and so much of our life is quite unconscious, unaware, uh, until we put forth the effort to uh, awaken to life. What's very interesting in traditional Buddhism, Theravada Buddhism, just they, over the years, trying to provide a convention for women to also uh, allow them to help support them in their spiritual aspiration, and uh, it's uh, been you know it hasn't been easy. Sister Chandra's a real pioneer in in uh, trying you know in taking the risk and. Going forth and and uh, having to uh, learn from you know learn from experience mainly because there's there hasn't been any real precedence uh, for women uh, you know senior women who who she could turn to or who understood uh, the through their own experience of the holy life and uh, so. It's also one feels now there's a maturity among in the nuns. You know they've had the uh, enough. You know they've learned from their from the process of learning, you know how to what works, what doesn't, what uh, how where the their uh, weak points are, and they, they get lost, they're deluded, and that's and then. Uh, learning from that, so that we, we more and more do not, you know, not re repeating the same mistakes, or just getting stuck in, in just uh, fixed attitudes or, or habits again. It's a very interesting life I've led. Uh, uh, this is my 30th year, the 31st year actually, and uh, in monastic Buddhist monasticism. So, it, and it's been, uh, you know, something I really uh, appreciate because I I really love the the monastic life. Uh, so I've never had any great problems uh, about uh, about it actually. And problems I've faced are just you know my own mind, my own delusions, uh, not not with the actual uh, monastic uh, tradition. Uh, but it, but also uh, I'm at a point now where I'm experiencing the benefits of having lived uh, in this way for thirty years, and uh, I, that. At the say the end of one's life is uh, you know something that you 
you look back and you, you feel, I feel I haven't wasted my life. Uh, that it's, you know, I've really learned what I, what I needed to learn from it. And that's through this, this teaching of the Lord Buddha, with, this, with the Four Noble Truths. And this, uh, this teaching of the Four Noble Truths struck me very strongly and as, you know, something uh, so profound and yet so simple in itself. Uh, and that, uh, and Ajahn Chah was also a, he, he seemed to be one uh, who was, was emphasizing this investigation, this meditation on the Four Noble Truths. And, and I noticed in so many uh, uh, meditation centers and, and Theravada tradition or, or other traditions that oftentimes the Four Noble Truths are almost their kind of acknowledged, oh yes, Four Noble Truths, and they go on to something else. Uh, and, and so you, 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 I personally have felt this uh, enormous appreciation for this, for this uh, emphasis on developing insight into these four noble truths. And suffering is, uh, is what we create. And I read an article in some uh, Buddhist uh, newsletter, Buddhist journal recently, about uh, a Vietnam veteran uh, in the United States who, who uh, has has uh, he, he was involved in all kinds of killings in in Vietnam and and uh, did terrible things uh, in that war and uh, and then of course the 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 all the problems of a of those veterans uh, when they come back and they're kind of persona non grata and they're and they've done terrible things and they they've uh, you know they have a whole a uh, load of miserable memories and fears and anxieties that come through uh, that kind of uh, behavior. And uh, this man has uh, successfully, at least according to this interview, kind of uh, learned from the suffering that he, he was experiencing in his mind. And he uses words like embracing the suffering, which is one of my... Uh, expressions because you know basically this realm is a realm of suffering you know when you're dealing with the human body and sensory experience you know there's always this this ongoing kind of of uh, impingement irritation frustration uh, just because of of the limitations that we have to live with in as a human Entity and, and and this incessant, unrelenting impingement and irritation on on our consciousness, and plus the fact that we we also develop a lot of wrong views and opinions and ideas about it all, and so we 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 not only have the the natural dukkha of of being born, being conscious, and having to to bear with a, a lifetime of incessant irritating impingement and then we create all kinds of uh, reactions to it and trying to find happiness trying to control get rid uh, manipulate 
do all kinds of things uh, to to try to free ourselves from this and try to find happiness and try to to uh, get something we don't have or, or just try to calm down a bit or uh, take to drugs or drink something that will will at least uh, you know make your consciousness not so sharp and so and so uh, so miserable as it can be without, say, as you might feel, without such things. So, and then from my own meditative experiences, I just see how, you know, that when you're contemplating life, you're realizing that it basically is irritating experience. And, uh, you know, like here in Amravati, or Chitters, you know, here in, in Britain we live in really nice places. Uh, you go to Devon or Harlem or you go to Kundersteg in Switzerland or Setze Romano or uh, I just came back from New Zealand. That's a, that's a real paradise, New Zealand. You know, it's as uh, good as you'll ever get on this planet. And yet people are suffering. They suffer all the time about, I think one of the highest suicide rates for young men is in New Zealand, that's what they were telling me. And, you know, why, why, when, when the, the conditions are, are so, you know, you've got three million people in this country, three million, you know, that, that's not very many. And uh, there's 12 million in London. <laughs> uh, and yet, uh, People complain about the traffic in Auckland, and they complain about the possums that are eating the leaves, and they complain about the alcoholic problems, and the drug problems, and the promiscuous problems, and adultery, and broken families, and marriages, and and then the wife beating, and and sexual abuse, and you name it, and they, they've got all those problems. There's always something to, to, uh, to you know, be, be upset or worry about, and uh, I think you know where, when does it ever stop? And then, Rinpoche used to say, it doesn't. It goes on and on, and one thing goes on to another. The only place it stops is in your mind. You've got to stop it in your mind. The the world ends in your mind. And he'd say things like this when I first uh, met him that were quite uh, intriguing and enigmatic and I didn't quite get it. I think, how does the world stop? It's in your mind. My mind certainly doesn't stop anything. As <laughs> 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 I was, a, uh, you know, kind of a, a rampant, rabid thinker, when I first started, it just think, 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 and, it, and the, this endless inner chatter, and just oh, really, rub a lot of rubbish going on, and and you know, just uh, I was over thirty when I became a monk, so I, <laughs> I just, you know, all the thirty years I hadn't been lived, I haven't lived very skillfully, and it'd been conditioned through the whole kind of. American scene and universities and the all the pop music and the the pop culture and the 
and only four years in the military and and uh, just living a life based on find, trying to find happiness and fulfillment in worldly conditions and uh, only to feel uh, increasingly unhappy <coughs> with, with a life that was basically alright you know, in terms of of family and opportunities and and uh, nice places to live and so forth. I wasn't from from you know the slums of some miserable place or uh, life hadn't been unkind to me like it has been to many people. But but still the suffering well, I suffered because of my way of thinking that I didn't think right. So the thinking was always about me, about fear about what others think, fear about uh, feelings of inadequacy, uh, a lot of self-aversion, uh, anxiety about the future, regrets about the past, the whole lot was, was just seemed to go on incessantly. And when you're alone in a kuti in a, in a Thai forest monastery and there's no distractions, then your mind will just kind of go berserk sometimes and it'll just go rampant with, with the most uh, disgusting rubbish. And so this Vietnam vet, ex-Vietnam vet, he said, and he says, we embrace the rubbish. <laughs> then <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I used to try to get rid of it all the time and say, this is rubbish and don't want to think like that and don't want to feel like this and and you're horrible and you shouldn't and all this kind of resistance and judgment going on and and you struggle and you struggle and sometimes you could through controlling situations uh, and through enduring uh, long enough you could get a measure of Tranquility sometimes, out of uh, out of uh, kind of sensory deprivation and, and a lot of controlling of of the environment, and that was very nice when you could, but you couldn't sustain it because uh, then the con when the conditions weren't there to to support it, then you're back in the same and even worse sometimes, uh, the same rubbish and stupid thoughts and and emotional hang-ups and and things like this would keep keep bubbling up and, and and kind of fulminating into your consciousness, and you just try to how can I get rid of it? I come, uh, you know, I, I want to, I want to be a good monk. I want to have peace. I want to be happy. I want to be a compassionate, uh, kind, uh, and so forth. All the ideals, and then with all this uh, rubbish going on, just embrace the rubbish. Well, that's what I learned, that you, you, you know, the, through this metta practice is uh, a way of, of accepting what, what one is feeling or thinking uh, and, and without judgment, just ex uh, letting it be the way it is, which is neither approving, disapproving, or making any value judgment, but just knowing. And in that simple state of just awareness and being present, then then these things do, they they dissolve, they disappear. Because you're you're not you're not attaching 
you're not following, and you're not resisting. And so that's the magic. That's the magic moment where you you learn to to trust and to let go and to um, not make problems about the state of your mind. And so, so in the interview, they asked this Vietnam ex-Vietnam vet about uh, you know he he killed a lot of people in Vietnam and uh, and about the memories and terrible memories he had and. And uh, he'd been into alcoholism and into drugs and the usual escapes from from those uh, horrible memories. And then he said, "But now he says they asked you, you still have them." He says, "Oh yeah, but I'm I'm they're my friends now." That's that's a lovely way to relate. They're my friends now, rather than than yeah, they still bother me. Uh, one changes your you change your attitude rather than seeing them as <coughs> ghosts that are going to haunt you and destroy the quality of your life forever. You see them as uh, you befriend them, and you 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 see them in in just uh, and and you your attitude is one of accepting, embracing conditions rather than trying to control it. And that's very difficult to do uh, until you really beca become confident in the practice. Because uh, we're so conditioned to resist. Especially if you're very high-minded and idealistic. Uh, that many of us that come into this life, monastic life, we're very, oftentimes we're very high-minded idealists. And so we've got very high standards. And uh, so we, we're very, uh, you know, we really don't like the rubbish. <laughs> and we, we don't, you know, we just would love to get rid of it. And, um, and the bit th that doesn't work. And you keep, more you keep trying, the more persistent it gets. And then until you accept and you, you make peace with it and change your attitude. The Buddha also, you know, he, he said, contemplate the world as the world so that you know it. You know, you really, you, you need to know what it is to be human, to have a human body like this. You have to contemplate the, this, the existential experience of, cont of a human body, uh, of having eyes, ears, a nose, a tongue, a sensitive body, a, a mind, intelligence, memory, uh, creativity, reason and logic, uh, imagination, all these, these functions of the mind to begin to get some perspective on them and see how, you know, what they really are. And to do that, of course, we are, uh, you know, reflecting. And I use this word a lot, as you're probably well aware, that <laughs> it the, the Buddha mind is a reflective mind. In other words, its ability to be attention, pay attention in the present. And, and it's a very simple thing to do. It's not like uh, it, that it's a, a very advanced kind of state that only you know, great yogis have ever achieved. Because uh, then, then you, 
you you automatically kind of uh, feel you can't do it unless you're you're you know hermit in a cave in the Himalayas or something. Uh, so that we you know we do make uh, the path into something. We 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 uh, elevate it to where it's so high we can't possibly ever reach it. And yet the Buddhist teaching isn't around uh, the high states, but around suffering and dukkha, which is very ordinary thing. You know, it's just ordinary, daily life, mundane uh, kind of dukkha that we have. Not not even special dukkha. You know, where you're being really mistreated and, and abused by somebody else. It's just the stuff of feeling, uh, just feeling negative or worried or anxious or wanting something you don't have or, or wanting to get rid of things that you have that you don't like. Wanting to become somebody else, wanting to attain some, some level that you imagine and, and, and the feeling that you're, you know, doubt, self-doubt and worry and, and uh, self-disparagement. This, this kind of stuff is Christopher the Mill. This is ordinary mundane dukkha. You know, in, in monastic life, in, in the, um, well, you have a high level of moral commitment where you can see that the, the kind of vinaya is a very high level of common agreement of, of uh, how to live with each other uh, in, in a very moral uh, and pure way. So that we're not, uh, you know, there's no intention or, or to to harm each other or take advantage or exploit anybody. Uh, and we we uh, so we have this this high level of morality, and then we we're alms mendicants, so that we're dependent upon the uh, generosity and kindness from other people, and we're taking risks. You know, we're not trying to be independent operators uh, uh, just getting enlightenment, but we're also including other people in our path. People that, you know, that we need for the basic uh, requisites. And so we're putting ourselves right on the line, actually. Uh, and this is, this helps us to, to reflect on all our social, cultural conditioning. And we do create suffering, endless suffering around monastic life. <laughs> because there's always, when the, because we do, uh, we, are, uh, we tend to be idealistic and have high standards and, and we, and then we, we expect a lot, we, we demand a lot really from, from the monastic situation. So in that, we need to, to reflect on that, our own kind of demands on on teachers or on conventions or on traditions because inevitably we're going to feel dis, dis, discontented with whoever we we attach to you know and the, and the, so we, the aim is to 
is to not attach to teachers or to traditions or to monasticism, but to use it for mindfulness. So it's not a becoming thing that we're doing. We're not. We're not. We, we'd be a cult if we were, you know, if it was a kind of guru worship type situation or encouraging people to attach to the senior monks or nuns or to, you know, feel that the the tradition itself or the meditation techniques are going to somehow purify and enlighten us. And that's what they call silabhattabharamasa, a kind of superstitious attitude that external things will save me or purify me in some way. But we realize that that's not how it works. It, it's this awakenness to life. That just that paying attention and learning to sustain it. Where you're in that state of listening and, and attentiveness in the present before you start thinking, before thought starts. So in, when I chant the Aparuta De Sangamantasatawara, when I get through the start this this talk. I did Namotas and then I had this little my my little uh, homily Aparuta de Sangamatasatawara the the gates to the deathless are open. I like that. Because that to me is a very profound, meaningful statement that was made by the Buddha. Anyway, that's what they say. <laughs> But anyway, whoever said it, it's very profound. Uh, when you think the gates of the deathless are open, and it, that means the deathless, you know, because we can see this is this realm that we're attached to is all about death. It's all about dying and loss. And when you get, you know, I'm a, now in my 60s, so so you're really feeling, you know, this sense of the end of the life, and and uh, you realize. In a few more years, you know, you're getting older and older, and then you'll die, and and there'll be this sense of loss. There's a sense of loss, always with this life. This uh, that what what we're attached to, what we love, we're going to lose, and and at the end, we lose everything, isn't it? The death, the house, the the loved ones, the Mercedes. <laughs> so in in uh, in uh, you know the, the idea of dying before you die. Uh, this this letting go and this, uh, the, in one of Shelley's in, in uh, one of his own conditioning that we're feeling the sense of ourself or our cultural assumptions and attitudes and prejudices and so forth that, that come up into consciousness but you're aware of that all that arises ceases. And the, the cessation of conditions, they follow where all is fled. So it's like third noble truth. 
go where everything goes, follow where everything ends, the, the niroda of the Third Noble Truth. Go to the ending of things. The end of the world is in the mind. Follow where all is fled. And this is so that you die if thou wouldst be with that which thou dost seek. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Follow where all is fled. And this, these, these, uh, these, these poetic statements are very helpful in, uh, kind of ways of remembering that. And the ending of things is in the mind. Uh, the end of the world. When, when you, the world ends in the mind. If you're looking for the end of the world out there, it just goes on and on and on. Even when you, when you straighten everything out, solve every problem, there's ten more problems to solve. And, and then you get, you get finished, the temple's finished and everything is going well and, and then there's going to be something else happen. And uh, somebody is always, you know, the threats, the, the, the possibilities of disaster and anxiety, the endless, you know, in this realm, you know, changes of governments, the, the European Union, the new currency with its bright colors, the <laughs> should Britain use a common European currency or not, or, or uh, <laughs> will we lose our, our national identity if we get kind of homogenized into European Union? And <laughs> Endless, isn't it? Where does it end? Um, and when will it ever stop? But you can stop it in the mind, because then you're the, the gates to the deathless. This is transcending all these worldly unsatisfactory conditions of cultural identity, gender identity, class identity, political identity, racial identity, uh, all of it is, 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 is of you no know, you know, it's all trivial, and and one can can accept it as you know for what it is. But it's no longer uh, anything one creates suffering about, because you you know it, and the and you you you've awakened to life in the present. So now it's four fifty. And uh, we all gathered here at three fifty. I'm very kind of time conscious person. For someone that talked about the timeless, but anyway, that's enough for you to contemplate today. And uh, I just want to uh, what I say is it's repetition all the time. The same thing over and over again, really. But, but that's all there really is to say and encourage and keep reminding you because uh, that helps to be reminded because we do forget. And the world does grab us and pull us around, and then we 
we have moments where we stop. And that's an important moment when you suddenly realize you just wound up. <laughs> at that moment when you realize you're wound up, that, that's a, that, that, then you're awake at that moment. Don't follow it with, oh, here I go again, wound up, hopeless case. Determine to not, not create suffering around uh, all the, the mistakes and failures of your life. It's, it's all you need to do is be aware at that point, of just when you wake up and you realize you're wound up, start anew. That's all you need to do. It doesn't, doesn't matter even if you fail all the time, as long as you, you're accepting the failure, make a friend of your failures rather than starting, oh, I'm a hopeless case, I can't do it, there I go again, getting lost in my moods, poor me. <laughs> and you wallow in that, you just, uh, you know, you, but if you do that, then there's that point where you suddenly realize and stop there. So that you, the sense of stopping and just listening to to that and accepting what you're feeling, no matter how miserable or unpleasant it might be in it, in the quality of it, it'll go. It drops. It 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 ceases. So follow where all is fled. <laughs> Well, for this as a reflection for you today, and there are some calendars and posters. So, if you want to, I mean, many of you have these already, and if you don't, or if you'd like some more. This is the place to come. <laughs>